If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. And I think we as entrepreneurs and we as parents, we as step parents, we as church planters, we as sons and daughters, like we need to understand that the decisions that we make today impact our tomorrow and not just our tomorrow, but the generations tomorrow. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. What is the difference between those who are defeated by struggle and those who are sharpened by it? Between those who are broken by pain and those who are made wiser by it? The answer is resilience. For us to blossom out of a seed of pain and flourish in wisdom, it requires resilience. It is possible to make meaning out of a mess, and my guest today is going to tell us exactly how to do that. Whether by choice or circumstances out of our control, we all have moments where we feel like we've been pushed out, dragged down, or knocked out. Bianca Olthoff is convinced that true power is getting back up and that success isn't only for the smart, talented, or well-connected. She wants to support you when you're in the midst of your messy middle, and that's exactly what she'll share with you today. Bianca is the co-lead pastor of the Father's House, Orange County, and was named one of Christian's top 30 leaders under 30 by Relevant Magazine. She averages 35 speaking events a year outside of her church, and her podcast, We're Going There, has over 2 million downloads. And spoiler alert, I'm going to be a guest on that show. Her brand new book, Grit Don't Quit, is out now, and today she's going to share some of the leading principles in the book, including how to cultivate perseverance in all that we do, how to train the brain to become more resilient, as well as how to increase emotional, mental, and spiritual strength. Listen close for the five questions that Bianca will share that you need to answer if you are contemplating quitting, because let's be honest, sometimes quitting is the right thing. This isn't an episode filled with toxic positivity. It's an honest look at what grit, resilience, and discernment can bring into your life as you navigate when to push and when to throw in the towel. Without further ado, let's dive on in with Bianca. 
Recently, my team went down to a four-day work week so we can spend more time in the sun and less time in front of screens. In order for us to be able to do that, we have to work smarter and not harder. That's why we're so excited about HubSpot's integrated AI tech. It's helping teams like ours automate the more tedious parts of running a business like doing research, summarizing information, writing copy, and more. Recent research shows that marketers are already slicing time spent on admin tasks in half thanks to AI from five hours to two and a half hours per day. Just imagine with all that extra time, you could be joining us with a four-day work week too. Start saving time in your business with the help of the AI-powered tools built right into HubSpot CRM. Learn more and get started today at HubSpot.com. Okay, if this voice sounds familiar to you on the podcast today, it's not because I'm having the same guest on in the same month. It is because she is the incredible twin sister to a previous guest, Jasmine Starr. Bianca, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I know it is confusing because Jasmine and I have literally the exact same voice. I actually broke up. I don't know if I told you this, but I broke up with her now husband, then boyfriend in high school because he couldn't tell her voices apart on the phone. Yeah. (laughs) So something interesting about Bianca, and I told her this a few weeks ago when I was being interviewed for her podcast, is that years ago when we were on island in Maui, I attended this conference for women at the church that we were at and Bianca was speaking and I was just thrown for such a loop because I had known Jasmine (laughs) for over a decade. And so watching her sister, I was like, okay, one teaches business and one preaches about the Lord. This is so interesting, but there were so many nuances that were so similar. It was like I was doing a double take. I love it. I like to say Jasmine's business and I'm all Bible. So (laughs) together it's a good mix. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to talk about something that I'm really excited about. So you have a book that's out grit. Don't quit. And one topic that I don't think we talk about enough in this marketing world, in this entrepreneur world. And for people that are starting side hustles is like, how do you know when it's time to quit something. Mm. I feel like so much messaging is like push through and this is going to be hard and you got to just stay on the path and you got to trust the journey. So let's kind of start off with why did you write a book called Grit Don't Quit? And then Mm. let's talk about how to discern when we should actually quit something and when we should push through. I love it. I love it. Okay. So let's start at the 30,000 foot level. I'm seeing so much within culture, within not just our generation, but the generation after us and that's upcoming is that it is so easy to toss in the towel. There's no consequence. I mean, let's think about this in a postmodern culture society with a tap, a touch, a swipe, we can get a meal delivered to our door. We can get groceries to our door. We can get, we can get sex delivered to our door. I mean, it's just so easy. So we've been accustomed with instant access and Instacart and Instagram that when something takes longer than we want, then we are prone to walk away or think it's not for us or think it's not worth it. Where I really want to come in and kind of take like a cultural temperature of the last three years is really speak to the souls of people because your soul knows when you're cutting the corner, your soul knows when you're not released to leave your soul knows that there's more inside of you and that you would rather just stay down on the mat of life rather than getting back up. And so I want to speak to that shred of belief inside a person that is speaking truth over their life. You may be down, but you're not out. So how do we encourage people to get back up? Now, this isn't like a rah, rah, sis, boom, ba type of book. I wanted practical handles. Like I wanted a playbook because people can write off easily and say, oh, I'm not resilient. I don't have great. 
it's a learned discipline. So the background for that is it's actually for me. It was really the story of my life. And in this current season of my life, I'm living out these practical principles because I have a lot of excuses, legitimate excuses to walk away right now. And I'm choosing to remain because I know the person that is being developed is going to be the person that will cause transformation, not just in my life, but the life of those that are around me as well. Walk me through a little bit of your background because you touch on it. I mean, I think a lot of times authors write the books that they need the most and in the writing process, we have God, the universe, whatever you believe in is revealing all of the truths that we are writing out, typing out and saying, (laughs) are you sure? Are you sure? So talk to me a little bit about how you got to this place and what your life path has been that has led you here. Okay. So whether in ignorance or arrogance, I feel like, and I've had multiple conversations with people that have said, oh, wow, you're such a resilient person. I would never look at my life and say, oh, I'm resilient. But, you know, in hindsight and looking back retrospectively, yeah, there's actually been a lot that I've had to overcome. So I am a first generation American, but I was illiterate up until the age of 12, morbidly obese, wrestled with weight my entire life, really coming from like a disadvantage from statisticians would have put me in a category highest prone to failure. Okay, sister. So like there wasn't a whole lot working for me. So I think again, ignorance or arrogance, I felt like, wow, I have, you know, overcome a lot and I could speak about this authority, but it has not been until the last five years of my life where I am literally daily making a decision because resilience is a choice. I am daily making a decision to say, I am choosing to put one foot in front of the other, come what may, come global pandemic, come a loss of a building or business profit loss or I have a nonprofit organization that goes in to help the incarcerated. And we were actually in three local prisons. And when COVID happened, we lost all the campuses. I mean, we invested $75,000 into these campuses. So it's a decision. It is an absolute decision that I'm making. And some of the things that I've had to overcome previously, a lot of people can look at their childhood and say that there was a lot. What we're not talking about is the now. Like culturally, politically, financially, relationally, spiritually, girl, there is something over the globe. And I just want to put, I want to lick my finger and stick it into the air and say, where's the wind blowing and how do we speak to that? And that's, Mm -hmm. that's how we landed here with this book and really wanting to resource people. One thing that you said that I love is that resilience isn't just something that's innate. It's a skill that you have to hone. Mm-hmm. And when I worked in the corporate world, there was actually a checkbox when you would do a leadership survey of resilient and adaptable. That was a theme that you could call out in different people, but it was also something that could be developed. Walk me through what you think of when you think about resilience, because I do think a lot of people just think I am either resilient or I am not. You could have very easily said the statistician says I'm not going to be a success. Therefore, I will not. So if someone is listening and they're like, I am not resilient, what would you say to them? One, let me just say, I validate what you're saying and you're not alone but I also want to be the voice that says, but that's not the full story. Mm. And the impetus of this book was I was sitting across a coffee table from somebody who was going through a divorce. She's very successful, very financially established. And she, you would have looked at her life here in Orange County, California and said, wow, she's the quintessential Orange County bougie woman. And she has it all, but she's going through a divorce. And she candidly told me, she's like, I don't, I'm not going to take my life. I just don't want to live anymore. 
And that's the impetus of the conversation. And then she said, I'm just not like you, Bianca. I I, I haven't had a life like yours and you were made to be resilient. Almost putting poverty synonymous with resilience. But I wanted to kind of like raise a flag and say, whether it's privilege or poverty, resilience is a decision that we get to make and we can actually grow and adapt and learn. Now, science will completely back this up because no one is born with a resilient gene. Now, people might be a little bit more optimistic, that I will concede to, but whether people are optimistic or pessimistic, resilience and grit is a learned attribute. And so one of the things that was so crazy, so I totally geeked out. I mean, you know this, but for the listeners, uh, Jasmine and I were homeschooled. And so we are very dorky and we like data and stats and numbers. So I went on this rabbit hole after that conversation with that woman. And I literally just wanted to pick her up lovingly by the collar and say, my dad is a Marine and we leave no man behind. So you will not take your life. I don't have to drag you on my shoulder, but like we are getting out of here. So get up off your ASS. And I did say the word, but I, we have sensitive ears in podcasts. I don't want this to be an explicit <laughs> show, um, but I literally kind of got like a little oppressive. I was yeah. like, you're giving up. And I look at a generation, I look at our culture right now. I'm like, why is everyone giving up? Get up off your ASS and start moving forward. You're not, if you're not dead, you ain't done. That's what my dad said, you know? So anyway, in all the research I started doing from MIT to Harvard, to Stanford, to Berkeley, to Yale, there are resilient studies and they had amazing research and case studies and a lot of medicine, a lot of uh, neuroscience that was involved in this But I curated and culled all that information and it really boiled down to these three attributes. Now, your listeners might not know this, but I'm a preacher also. So like just to have some charge in here today, they're all going to begin with the letter P because I think that helps us remember things. Yeah. So for anyone, whether they get the book or not get the book, I just want to give this away because there are people out there that are saying, I'm just not gritty. I'm just not resilient. And I just want to say, you are, you're just not giving yourself the credit that you need. So let's put some language. So Here are three hallmarks for resilient people. This is how you build resilience. The first one, you have to have a right perspective. You've got to have a right perspective of the situation. So what is perspective? It is an honest, realistic view of your current reality with hope. Mm -hmm. So we can say, this sucks. My business is failing, but I have a plan. My marriage is struggling, but we're going to counseling. My child is strung out on drugs, but I'm looking into rehab facilities. So it is an honest assessment of reality, buttressed with hope. That perspective, if you have the but, I feel like Sir Mix a lot. I like big butts that I cannot lie. 15 by 30. Listen, I love Jesus, but give me a good hip hop song from the 90s and I'm undone. Forgive me. Okay, I'm back on track. So perspective, we have to include the butts in our perspective. So no matter what feels toxic, traumatic, you know, at a loss, We have to have the perspective that like, it's not done yet. The second thing that is wildly important and a huge hallmark for gritty and resilient people, and it's a learned attribute, is the ability to pivot. Like this is critical. So people always say, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. I want us to be some gritty hustlers out here that are saying, when life gives me lemons, I want to make lemonade and then plant the seeds for future generations. Mm. I don't just want to get what is given to me and feed the now, I want to think about future generations. So if there is a hurdle in front of me, if there's a wall in front of me, if there's an obstacle in front of me, I'm not just going to think, okay, this is where I stop. I have to pivot. If this isn't working, I have to figure out a new way to make it work. So I love this line from a show called Project Runway. It was like a reality show. Yes. Okay. Do you remember Tim Gunn? 
I have unlocked a new level of parenting because now Coco will watch it with me. So we get like 20 minutes a day that we'll sit down and watch it together. And she's like, oh no, is he going home? Oh, he's saved. Like it is next level unlocked. Okay. So what line are you about to say? Do you remember Tim Gunn? Yes, of course. What was his famous line when he's working with designers and they're running out of time or they're look isn't looking and they're struggling and something happens. What does he tell them to pivot, make it work. Yep. That was his right. Make it work. Yep. Make it work. Figure it out. This is our road to pivot. And then lastly, and this is the hard one for a lot of people, it's purpose. So you have to have the right perspective. You have to have the ability to pivot. And then lastly, you have to see the purpose in the midst of the pain. So where people most likely give up is when there is trial, trauma, or tribulation, a crisis, the poop hits the fan. And then everyone's like, you know what? This is a sign I'm not supposed to do it. Maybe it's a sign you are supposed to do it. And everything is pushing against because when you accomplish it, you will be confirmed in your heart and your mind and your soul that you are destined to do what you knew that you were called to do. This study of finding purpose in the pain has come out of some research that actually came out of the Holocaust and survivors of the Holocaust, those that went on to not just survive, but thrive were the ones that were able to discover a purpose in the midst of their pain. And so my fear in saying this is that there's someone out there that's listening and saying like, well, are you saying that my business loss was a good thing or the loss of my spouse is a good thing? No, I'm not. And I'm sorry for the pain, but as someone who is walking through pain, as someone who is in this, it may not make sense now but I'm choosing to believe that it will make sense later. I'm going to look for the diamond in the darkness of a coal mine. I'm going to look for the glimmer of hope at the end of the tunnel. But those three attributes, anybody, whether they feel like they're resilient or not, can employ into their life and really be a game changer. You can't dig your biggest goals without a little hard work, which is why I bet you'll love listening to the Hustle Daily Show brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, hosted by Zachary Crockett, Jacob Cohen, Rob Litterst, and Juliet Bennett. The Hustle Daily Show brings you a healthy dose of irreverent, offbeat, and informative takes on business and tech news. With short 10 to 15 minute episodes released every day, you're bound to learn something new this week. From updates about meta and AI to how Domino's is flipping traditional pizza delivery on its head. Listen to the Hustle Daily Show wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date on what's going on in business and tech. Does this sound like you? You're trying to dissect the algorithms and still no one is seeing your social media posts. Like, did you know that less than 6% of social media followers actually see your content and even less than that engage? That's why I am obsessed with email lists and I won't stop talking about them. So my question for you is this, are you ready to finally start your email list like this week? Join my absolutely free challenge today at listbuildchallenge.com. You can spend just five days with me and you'll be on your way from an empty email list to 250 plus people and growing. Each day, I'll teach you a short lesson on things like how to create a freebie that people actually want, how to send out your first email, how to set up your signup form and so much more. And yes, there are even tech tutorials to walk you through every single step of the process. Give me just five days and I will help you you start and grow an email list that you can launch to. Join now. It's absolutely free at listbuildchallenge.com. That's listbuildchallenge.com for my free zero to 250 email list to launch challenge. I'll see you inside. 
Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Oh, this is so good. So this leads me to my next question because I feel like you are hitting every nail on its head, especially for this audience and especially in this journey of entrepreneurship, right? You're an entrepreneur, your sister's an entrepreneur. Like you understand that this is like a roller coaster of like highs and lows. And so what would you say for someone who is listening right now and they're at a low and they're like, okay, so should I not quit? Should I quit? How do I know when it's right to walk away from something? How do I keep pushing on? Like, how do we get that level of discernment in our life of like, quitting doesn't always mean failure, but sometimes quitting is the right move to guide you to success. How do we differentiate those two things? You know what? I think that you're brilliant because the book is out this week and I have done a number of PR and press related things, podcasts and you're not just good at what you do, but you're good at listening to the meta narrative. It's like, what are the things that are said, but you also listen to the things that are unsaid. And so I think this is critical for entrepreneurs. I mean, this is critical for us in any season because there's people right now listening that they're like, my business is wildly successful, but my friendship with this individual, it just, it's horrible. It's tore up from the floor up, or, you know, maybe I need to leave my church or maybe I need to leave my job. Maybe I need to leave this cubicle, whatever it is. And so the big message of this book is, yeah, don't quit. And here's how to not quit. However, there's a caveat in the beginning and a caveat at the end. Beginning is a famous line by Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. So like, I don't want anyone to stay in a toxic environment or an abusive relationship, or if there's infidelity, this is not a bandaid for a bullet wound. So that's the caveat at the beginning. But at the end, after I've given people practical handles on what to do to be resilient and not quit, is at the end in in the appendix, I wanted to have a conversation because I brought it up with my editor. I'm like, here I am telling people not to quit, but I do think that there are times that we should quit. But what I want people to know is like how you end one season is how you'll begin the next season. So let's make sure that the time is right. Maybe the feeling is right, but the timing is wrong. So here I crafted five questions and I want to just, yes, it's in the book. My publisher is going to hate me for like giving this content away, but I don't care because I really just want to help people. There are five questions in general. We can role play this and we can think through this because I really want your perspective on this as well. You hear so much, you talk to so many people, you coach and help so many other people. So I think like weigh in, give your perspective. What would you add? What would you delete? But I think everyone who's on the cusp of 
ending a friendship, ending a relationship, ending a job, ending a contract, maybe moving on is a qu- first question we should ask is going to require some self awareness. Yeah. What exactly is frustrating me? That's the first question. What exactly is frustrating me? Because if you can't articulate that, then you're going to be led by these willy nilly feelings. Oh, I just feel oppressed. I feel locked down. Well, what's the feeling behind the feeling as my mm-hmm. therapist would say. So what mm-hmm. is really frustrating me? So everyone on the podcast, I'm using you as a prototype because everyone on the podcast, they're familiar with you. They know you, they've been on this journey, but when you were in corporate and you had this feeling, I'm using air quotes, this sense that that time was ending, were you able to articulate what was exactly frustrating? you? Yeah. The only way to make more money was to work more. Ooh, whoa. That was you a frustration. No, I mean, it's so easy to pinpoint. And it's funny because I have this moment, Bianca, where my boss walked me through my five-year plan without ever asking me, what do you want for your life in five years? And all they were selling me was more money, but they never asked what my currency was, which was time. Mm. And so the frustration was, sure, I can make more money, but I have to work more and I'm going to lose more time. And I'll never forget, I like sat down at my desk and there's this picture of me and Drew in our college days. He has this cute little mole and I looked at it and I thought, do I want to go through my whole life looking at a picture of him on my desk or do I want to figure out a way to like look at him in the flesh? And so that was the frustration. Okay. So I'm going to use you. I mean, you've said similar stuff, but I just want to reiterate it because you literally walked people through on how to quit well. So the second question I want to ask is, we should all ask ourselves this in the transition processes. Can I fix this? Mm. So using you as the prototype, as our example right now, the situation of realizing like I have to work more and to make more. I'm not sure this is like, if you answer the question, can I fix this? What was the answer to that question? No, because it was a whole system and I was just a cog in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. once you ask yourself the question, what's it frustrating me? Then ask yourself the very hard question. Can I fix this? Then ask an extremely hard question. Is it me? Yeah. So this is where it's going to be a little bit different for you because yours was very corporate and it dealt professionally. But I think from a relational standpoint, this is where I'm not going to ask you a pointed and personal question. Let me tell you about the friendship I just broke up with. But for real though, let me give an example on this because I think this is great. One of my dear friends who's just amazing. Every time I talk with her, she could vent about something going on. And then she will say, and here is my part in this situation. And she has this self-awareness where like, you know, as girlfriends do, you can vent about things or frustrations, but something I love about her is she always holds herself on the line, like accountable of like, Mm. and this is where I went wrong in this. And I love this question because it is so easy. Like my toddler is really good about complaining about frustrations, but very poor at holding up the mirror of like, what is actually causing that? And I love that question because I think a lot of times it is so much easier, especially in business, especially in relationships, especially in life to point your finger outwards and to not really do that reflection. That's a great question to ask. Okay. So after you've asked yourself the really hard question, is it me? Then ask yourself, is this the best decision for my future? Now, I mean, clearly we all stand on the other side, years removed and look at your life and say, oh my God, it was. But when you were thinking about transitioning out and jumping into something completely different, did you ever have a moment where you weighed out what your future would look like if you walked away? 
Absolutely. You know, what's so interesting. And I think this would go pair well with this exercise is that when I was leaving corporate America, there was so much fear, right? Like I just felt, what are people going to think about me? What if this doesn't work out? And one thing that I did is think about the future and say, okay, let's write down what the worst thing is. And then let's make an action plan around it. Because when you have a plan, it's suddenly not so scary, right? It like kind of like fear loses its grip when you're like, okay, yes, this terrible thing could happen. I could not book any weddings and I have to like saunter back into the office. What am I going to do about that? And so I think it's powerful if fear is something that is holding you back from quitting, something that needs to be quit, writing down the action plan of what would this future look like if the worst things happen? Because guess what? When you have a plan, it seems like they never actually happen, right? Okay, wait, this is so good because you gave everyone, I need everyone listening to like, pull out a notebook or their notes on their phone and stop running on the treadmill for a second because you just gave us this phenomenal assignment. I'm not even kidding you. I'm listening to you. I'm like, oh gosh, my pen. I'm not looking at you, but I'm writing this. I need to do this. So I'm going to reiterate it, regurgitate it and say it again. I'm say it twice because it was nice, baby. So you have to identify the fear. Like what's the biggest fear and then create a plan for around that fear. And we're not trying to wish that fear to happen, but we're so prepared for it that even if the worst case scenario happens, we have a plan. <gasps> okay. It's so powerful too. Cause like when I actually thought about it, I'm like, okay, my greatest fear here is that my business won't work out. Okay. What's that going to look like? All right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to update my resume. I have great experience. I have great recommendations. I'm leaving on good terms. Mm-hmm. I will go back into this workforce. Like it's actually not that scary, but I think a lot of times it's the unknown. And so I love when you ask, like, have you thought about the future? Because it's like when you can envision these different scenarios, like a choose your own adventure, you have different visions for your future, but all yeah. of a sudden the scary parts of the unknown are like illuminated and it's not as scary anymore. Oh, I mean, someone is finding freedom today. This is what I for sure know. I'm not even kidding you. This is great. So then after you've asked and you've done the due diligence and you've asked, can I fix this? Is it me? Is this the best decision for my future? The final question, and this is, I don't want to get too heady. I don't want to get too esoteric. And I am a woman of faith. So maybe this language might not feel like people understand it. So let me provide a little bit of context. The last question that I've asked, I'm encouraging everyone to ask before they throw in the towel, they sign the papers, they break the contract, they move, they leave organization or a friendship is, am I released? Now, this is a nebulous question. I know some podcast listeners are like, what does that mean? Okay. So I'm going to try to put this in as clear terms as possible, but it's definitely a, ugh, I hate saying this because there's a thinker out there that's like, I don't get my feelings, but it's a feeling. So yeah. You may not. So I won't ask you this question because I might teeter on too personal. I'll share a personal example. I worked for an anti-human trafficking organization for seven years and it was such an incredibly hard and beautiful and bitter and sweet and good and bad experience. Because when you're in the throes of human trafficking, you see the utter depravity of humanity and you question for me in a very dark season, I get emotional thinking about it. Like the world is just a very bad and broken place. Yeah. And it's really hard to have hope. And it was really affecting me. I was having night terrors at night. I'm reading and ingesting so many of our survivor stories. So it affected me on a psychological level. And I remember one day going into the office and I have bags under my eyes. I am like exhausted and we're on a deadline. And, you know, I tell my coworker, I was like, you know what? I think I need to quit. I'm like, I'm not cut out for this. Like they picked the wrong girl. I'm not the chick. I am from East LA, but I clearly am too soft for this. Like I can't do this. And she just asked me that 
question that has never left me. And she said, but are you released? And I said, what do you mean? She's like, and she was a person of faith as well. So she said, do you feel like the hand of God has placed you here and is on you? Because if you feel like you are not done here, then you need to stay here. And though she was speaking in a faith understanding, I'm speaking just in a regular, you don't have to be a person of faith to, to have this resonate. You may not understand why you need to be that person's friend. You might not understand why you need to be in the organization. You might not understand why you need to stay in that marriage. You might not understand why you need to continue fighting for your business. But that need is, is the hand that has kept you there because you know that you know that you know that your work there is not done. Mm -hmm. And so the answer to all the questions, you know, what is frustrating me? Can I fix this? Is this me? Is this the best decision for me in the future? Those could all be tick boxes. Like, yes, 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 yes. But if that last one is no, you got to stay. Yeah. You got to stay. And so I look back, that was at year three of my six and a half year tenure at A21. And I'm so glad that I stayed. I am so glad that I stayed. And when it was time for me to transition on, I had finished well and I was ready for the next season because how you end one season, how you begin the next season. And I, I still, to this day, I have such great relationships with the CEO, the president, the staff, we're still close. And that is the way to finish well. And that's when you know that your season is done. The transition can happen or AKA you can quit and move on to the next thing. This is so amazing because one, I feel like we don't celebrate quitting enough. We don't. And I think we celebrate starting, right? You start a family, mm -hmm. you start a marriage, you start a household, you start college, you start all, you start a business. And I do think there's something beautiful about figuring out and discerning the way to quit that is worth celebrating, right? Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a hundred dollar credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. 
Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Have you had other experiences in your life where you have had that temptation to quit, but you really channeled the grit? And now with hindsight, you can see that was correct. I'm sure in the pages of your book, there are multitude of stories of this, (laughs) but can you give us one? Because I feel like there are a lot of situations where, like you said, things aren't happening as fast or as easily as we thought. And so it would be so much easier to quit. Okay. So I'm going to try First of all, I'm Mexican, so I'll turn every story into a novella. And, you know, we're here for 82 hours and we don't want the listeners to do this. So I'm going to try to make this as, as short as possible because this really is not just about resiliency and grit. This is really about legacy because others are going to look at you, Jenna, and say, Jenna did it and I can do it. And then we get to walk on paths that you've paved for us because you chose not to quit. And so the core of the message isn't about not quitting. The core of the message is that you indelibly can leave a mark on future generations just simply by your commitment. And so I mentioned that I have a, a nonprofit organization resourcing the incarcerated, and I had an invitation to go host a conference at a prison in Texas. We were leaving on Monday morning. Now we had just started our church. Our church is in Orange County, California, shameless plug for the father's house, shout out TFHOC. And so we had just started a church and we were a mobile church. I know people don't understand this, but like we were poor. So we had to rent a venue and load in and load out. Okay. So this was after, like I had preached that Sunday and this is after preaching two services. We're exhausted. It's hot. It's like two in the afternoon and we're getting everything into our moving van because our whole church was like in a moving van. And I just hopped off the bed of the truck. Not a big deal. But I landed on my ankle and I blacked out. I hit the pavement and I'm writhing in pain. My husband comes over to me and I'm like sobbing. It it was, Jenna, it was pain like I couldn't experience. I literally thought I broke my ankle. And so we went to the emergency room and I was there for six hours and had four x-rays. And we come to discover I didn't break my ankle. It was just a really bad sprain. But I was like drugged up. I was in pain. I'm still crying intermittently because the pain was so excruciating. And my husband looked at me and... I thought he was going to look at me laying on the ER bed like, you know what, Bianca, you don't have to go. You've endured so much. Like you're you're released from this. No, no. My husband looks at me and said, the choice is yours. But think of all the inmates tomorrow that are looking forward to a day that they've never had in their life. And is there anything inside of you that could muster up enough strength, even in your pain, to go? I wanted him to make the decision for me. But when we allow other people to make our decisions for us, it abdicates our responsibility and then gives us power to blame them if it doesn't happen the way that we want it to happen. And I'm so glad I learned that lesson because I went and we hosted not one, not two, but three conferences. And our very third conference on the very last day, there was a six one inmate who, after I had taught, she had come up and, and I had live music. I had a band come in. I mean, Jenna, I did the most, girl. I did the I most. It this. was amazing. And a six one inmate in a and a prison yellow romper comes up to me and says, you know, can I have the microphone? I'd like to say something. Now, listen, I wanted to say no, because I don't know what she's going to say. Are you kidding yeah. me? And she, I don't know if she's going to sing. Is she going to cuss? Like what's going to happen here? But when a six one inmate asks you for a yeah. microphone, you just say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. No problem. And I had her the microphone and she said, 
I know not everyone in here is religious, but I wrote a rap and she starts rapping over the prison cell. And it was amazing. Apparently there were some people who are familiar with this rap song that she's written. So they all start jumping in. And then the hook, the hook of the song, the chorus bop of the bop was pick it, pick it. It's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. So the entire prison is now saying this. the prison guards are joining in with this raucous sound of it's just me and Jesus, this, this chorus. Okay. Put a pin in it. This is the hard part about serving the incarcerated is that nine times out of 10, you will never see them again. You never see them. I've gone back to the exact same prison, but people are coming in and out and you know, whatever. And so fast forward three years later, I'm speaking at a conference in Dallas, Texas. There's 8,000 women in this conference. I had my teaching keynote and I walk off stage and I'm walking in the back and I'm about to go to the bathroom to go collect my stuff. And I hear someone shout my name, Bianca, Bianca. And it's a volunteer. And it was a volunteer because she had a bright green t-shirt on and all the volunteers had these lime green t-shirts. So I waved and, you know, continued on my way. And she kept on saying, Bianca, come here. And the security guard next to me says, do you know her? I said, no, I don't think I know her. He's like, well, I'm going to take you to the green room. I said, okay. And all of a sudden I hear down this long corridor. It's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. I turned around and I saw the girl from the Lubbock County Detention Center who led us in worship three years earlier. I squealed and the security guard's like, well, do you know where? I said, yes, bring her over here. We embraced and Jenna, I wept in her arms because had I just given up and like had a legitimate excuse, I sprained my ankle. I was in a wheelchair for crying out loud. Like I had a legitimate excuse to quit. Had I just stayed home and nursed my wounds, all those inmates, the men and the women whose lives we were able to impact, but specifically this one inmate by the name of Mia, who said that that conference changed the trajectory of her life that she got out early for good behavior. And she so desperately wanted to show the fruit of like what we've poured into her life that she wanted to buy a ticket to this conference, but it was sold out for months before. So the only way that she can get in was by volunteering. And she found her way to the back area just to let me know like that it mattered. And I think we as entrepreneurs and we as parents, we as step parents, we as church planters, we as sons and daughters, like we need to understand that the decisions that we make today impact our tomorrow and not just our tomorrow, but the generations tomorrow. That's the importance. That's the beauty of why we don't quit and why we can't give up. And when the time does come to quit, how do we quit well? Because how you finish one season is how you start the next. Oh my gosh, that story. You know, one thing that I love about that story is that it's not a story about the 700 inmates. It's the one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I feel like, especially as entrepreneurs and especially as people who you, you start to get traction or you start to get results, you start to look at numbers, right? We love numbers. You, you are a data nerd as much as I am. Numbers <laughs> give me peace. Cause you can't debate them. Cause yes. trust me, I could debate <laughs> just about everything. And what I love about that is I mean, obviously in the Bible, like when Jesus goes or when they go to look for the one sheep, right? Like that care of like the one. And I think that the power of one is often forgotten in this world and in the business world, especially when you start to see sales and clients and downloads and followers and all of these things. And I love that story so much because it is the power of one and that beauty of like, yeah, you probably impacted a million people in that way. But to see that 
fully like personified and back in your life probably has you questioning the next time that you're ready to like use the excuse or throw in the towel. 100%. Yeah. So tell everyone what they can find out about in your book. So we've covered a lot of ground today, but there is still many, many things that we didn't get to touch on. What is waiting for them inside of your book called Grit Don't Quit? You know, I think what's critical in the efforts to not quit is to not let comparison drive us. So I write an entire chapter on what comparison does to our psyche. And I am, you've mentioned this, I'm a twin. So I had a mere identity always growing up. And there's a lot of science around uh, mere identities for twins and the competition that happens with twins and some of the dangers that happen when that. But what I've kind of paralleled is social media. Jenna, you are not a biological twin, but on social media right now, you can find someone, your ethnicity, your hair color, your age, your entrepreneurial level and wonder why they have A, B, and C and why you don't. So while people don't have biological twins, there are these cultural mere identity twins that we see through social media. And if we are not careful, this could choke us out from staying the course because comparison is is a trap. Another thing that I love that was really fascinating, I kind of mentioned it, but I went down the neuropath science uh, rabbit hole and started realizing the power over our brain and what words do. And I know your audience, they're so very much socially aware and also personally aware. So this is not going to be anything new, but the reminder of the power that we frame with our words that actually creates our identity. Now, some people are going to call this manifesting. I'm coming from a faith perspective, but I think that in the book, the science speaks for itself. One of the other things is also what to do in the waiting. I think that sometimes, you know, when we know, okay, I'm not going to quit, I am going to stay the course, but what we want, whether it's the ROI or we're looking at our PLs or whatever it is, the, the waiting for the next employee, that waiting period causes a lot of people to quit. So I have a whole chapter on like what to do in the waiting. And that chapter specifically, I just wanted to be practical. Yes. Like, and not only do I include what to do, I include what not to do. So don't freak out. Don't binge on takeout. Don't make out. Like we find ourselves in all these compromising situations, yes. you know? <laughs> so yeah. So a whole section on what to do in the waiting. And then the last section is actually on what I alluded to was legacy. So using just looking at my dad and a couple other people in history about the power of legacy if we think about the end, if we don't envision the end, we'll give up in the middle. So I want yes. people to envision what's the life that you see yourself having and fight until that dream becomes your reality. Where can everybody find out more about you? Get their hands on your book, follow you online. Give me all the places. I love it. So they can go to BiancaOltoff.com or you can go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target.com and you can order Grit Don't Quit. You can also follow me on social media at Bianca Oltoff on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and yes, even Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just impressed you're on TikTok because that is a territory I've not yet explored. So I am so <laughs> proud of you. Go find Bianca, get your hands on her book. If today's episode spoke to you at all, please share with us where you're tuning in from, what your biggest takeaway was. I feel like this is one that people are going to listen to again and again and again until it seeps into their souls because it's so, so powerful. Jenna, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for your podcast. Not only do I love you, I also listen to your podcast. So thank you for your content. Oh. There are certain episodes that really make me pause. I know this is going to be one that I'm going to go back to and listen over and over and over again, especially in those days where you want to quit. 
I love how Bianca shared that resilience is a skill that we can hone, that we can call into our lives. And I love the questions that we need to ask ourselves when we are contemplating quitting, because let's be honest, sometimes quitting is the right move, is a move worth celebrating. But sometimes we need to keep persevering in the name of legacy, in the name of success, in the name of grit. I want to remind you that Bianca's book is out right now. I would love for you to support her and to grab a copy. Her book is available wherever books are sold, and it is called Grit Don't Quit. Go grab a copy. And of course, like I said, we want to see where you're tuning in from and learn what was your biggest takeaway. Make sure you tag us on social media and snap a photo of you wherever you find yourself right now as you're tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. Of course, until next time, keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home, and thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.